1: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health
2: insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs.
1: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
2: The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed.
3: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Mapsack.
4: I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and we are back for a new episode all about news. I was going to say another, but it's new. It's new, and it's another. It's both. Things can be two things, guys. Anyway... This is going to be our episode all about the Star Wars news, some audience questions, and Jedi Temple Challenge. Are you ready to be challenged, Ken?
3: (laughs) I am ready to be challenged by Star Wars. And uh, we always would remind you today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. Free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from. For your iPhone, Android, Kindle, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, as always, we'll have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Help the show and help your ears get a Star Wars story. We're, uh, we're going to catch up ourselves. This is uh, Joseph and I are friends. We've been friends for years. Uh, we catch up via podcast, except for when we could uh, hang out in hotel bars. Uh, sir, uh, life adventures, Star Wars adventures, or are they all intertwined as they often seem to be?
4: Oh, they are all all intertwined. Lots of uh, lots of life and career adventures uh, this week. So lots of busy stuff. Um, this was a, a fun week where a lot of my Star Wars adventures w- uh, were. You know, reading the book that we're going to talk about on Thursday, Queen's Peril. Uh, I think I looked at some action figures online just to make myself happy (laughs) and that was a ton of fun but i think the the thing where star wars was on my mind the most is i had this extremely uh as many people did different fourth of july than normal i think most people had a much different fourth of july uh but uh, i've been performing at this convention that i mention often in minnesota convergence for uh yeah i'll just go ahead and say it decades um because it's literally crossed the line to decades. You know, uh first one was uh 99, the year Phantom Menace came out, and we did a Star Wars sketch, and that was still back in the day when uh, Star Wars sketches you could only do at conventions, because if you did them at a comedy theater, people would just say, what are you talking about and why? Um, so it was weird to not have that convention the 4th of July weekend um, and have, you know, this, this different world we're living in. So what I ended up doing is my wife and I Watched an episode of Doctor Who in the morning that was about the French Revolution. Mm. Uh, And then the afternoon, I finished reading Queen's Peril, all about, you know, the Battle of Naboo and keeping freedom for Naboo and all very political. And then in the evening, we watched Hamilton, which is, of course, about the American Revolution, while also mentioning the French Revolution. (laughs) And it was just like it, it was a great day for me to celebrate all the ideas in Star Wars that are political and are about the idea of we can make a change. Revolution is possible. Um, And I'm not calling for any armed violent uh, revolution. I'm just saying the thematic ideas of revolution.
3: We do have to clarify sometimes. (laughs) Um, That's great. That's great. All rolled in one. If only Lin-Manuel Miranda could have dropped a Jedi uh, uh, Jabba flow into Hamilton.
4: Uh, (laughs) That would be great.
3: Well, that's a good weekend. That's a good Fourth. Yeah, yeah, it was
4: very. I'm I'm sure uh, there were a lot of fireworks uh, where you were, but all you know, two hours and forty minutes of Hamilton, there are also fireworks going on. So it was (laughs) the most connected I've ever felt to the concept of this is a celebration of of revolution.
3: It was, yeah, a lot of fireworks uh, all over, all over the world, Uh, more than normal. Yep, Uh, I love all the theories and conspiracies behind it, but end result is scared dogs. Uh, So. That was our fourth as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: What did you did you uh, obviously uh, stick around the house probably for the fourth? But what did you do?
3: We did a, a, uh, I guess well, well, there's kind of a phrase or term people have been using like kind of like potting up with like there's people in your life who are like we're not affected we we're, we we're, we're close enough for what you know like I've talked like our friend Joe Star he's like our certain neighbors were like we either going to catch together or not have it together you know like so Grace and her sister and her brother-in-law uh and myself had a had a quiet fourth you know as safe as as we can be and, and no fireworks or anything but um we were supposed to watch Hamilton it was like <laughs> on the docket like it was food uh drink hamilton and somehow we got stuck on the new rebooted unsolved mysteries <laughs> and you know first of all like i i don't audition for much things but i at one point over last year i had, I had auditioned for the the new robert stack of that show it's a oh, like the
4: voiceover or the on-camera host
3: well they it was an on-camera thing they don't have that so they read they at some point jettisoned for that from the thing and it's just like a documentary thing and they're interesting stuff but they're downer stuff there's there's a lot of it's murder right or <laughs> horrific murder um grace loves true crime and i get it i get the obsession with it i get the fascination and, and the lessons learned from it all those i get it um but the fifth one the fifth one mind you was a ufo one and i'm like i want to get to that one mm-hmm. so i just kept kind of inching us forward as a group to the ufo one which we <laughs> Did get to, which is a, an alleged uh, UFO abduction, multi-abduction case in Berkshire, Massachusetts, in 1969. Me and Dave Foley would be very interested in it. <laughs> um, so, also of a the night ended. We went home, and we were like, "Oh wait, we're supposed to watch Hamilton." <laughs> 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 But then, we Grace and I have been binging Kirby Enthusiasm, and I forgot in season 9 Lynn Lin-Manuel Miranda is in many episodes. So, hey, you know, we we kind of felt we watched part of it, I guess. We
4: yeah, did. well, here, here's here's what I think you should do for your household. I think that you should edit the opening themes to Unsolved Mysteries to the beginning of Hamilton and just watch it like it's a big episode of Unsolved Mysteries.
3: There you go. There you go. That'll work. That'll work. Uh, then the other other thing I did, I, I, you know, again proving that Joseph and I are Star Wars fans, and we do this show, and have we're racing towards eight hundred total episodes. We do it really out of love. First, I just because started rewatching the director and the Jedi documentary Ooh. Um, about halfway through that, and just fa- it's still so fascinating and how honest to me that they dealt with. Some of the stuff Mark Hamill thought, at least at the beginning of the production, and and, and maybe some thinks still stinks on some level, uh, it's pretty fascinating. And then uh, I, I started rewatching the Phantom Menace because of we're, we're covering Queen's Peril on Thursday, which goes up and and in, and in into that movie. And I keep telling you, I have these little Phantom Phantom Menace revelations where even though I've seen this movie, it's been in my life for over twenty years. For some reason, I'm picking out little things every now and then that I've never paid attention to. Uh the Rats Tyrell family vacation recently, Ben Quadrenaro's checking out his ship in the in the hangar. Uh in the rescue scene in the beginning of the Battle of the Boo, when Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and everyone free the pilots, I've never focused on because I clearly seen it. It's not like a hidden Easter egg, but the first pilot in that the the he's downright on your screen. He does the best. He's he's sitting down, hands over his knees. Obi-Wan is above him, slashing a droid in half. And this guy, this performer, this day player, this extra, just kind of looks up like, huh. Is that a breeze? And he ducks. <laughs> Clearly ducking because, you know, an assistant director yelled, duck. And <laughs> and he can't see, he can't see what he's ducking. Uh, you know, they're not in the volume. Uh and <laughs> I, I watched it like three or four times. And I'm not saying it was bad. Like he was like horrible. It just it's so it's so hilariously underplayed in the scene. It's just like, we've been held capture. Eh, all right, Jedi got me up, And I recommend anyone checking it out.
4: I might check it out when we're done recording. I love those moments where he's just like, eh, Jedi cutting down a B-1 battle droid? I've seen it.
3: Yeah. Meh. And he does duck to defend him. He, he like makes a little duck, but clearly it's like he's ducking a, a, a tennis ball that's flown over his head. <laughs> I'm not criticizing the way George shot that movie. I'm just saying it it, it popped in my head. I've never, 21 years, never paid attention to it.
4: That is so great to find all those hidden
3: little details. There is our Star Wars and Life Adventures. And now on to the news. We'll get the cues later. We got the news now. This one, Joseph dropped... Right after you and I published our episode last Tuesday, because that's (laughs) the way of it. It's become a running joke. And you know what? Even when we would do Jedi Council live on a Thursday, we would get off air and news would drop. Uh, It's just the way of it. Just the way of it. Uh, we got this story from StarWars.com, the number one source for legitimate Star Wars news, the <laughs> Mandalorian publishing plan. That's right. This is probably something that was going to be announced at uh, celebration. It just has that kind of feel to it. Uh, and uh, there you go. I'm trying to refresh my page. There it is. So we've got a ton of Mandalorian books, visual guides. And uh, for me personally, it really at the art of Phil Sosak and his team, on season one, the art of season one. Uh, I'll just run through a little bit of list here. There's some more stuff on the way. Original novel by Adam Christopher, Ultimate Visual Guide by Pablo Hidalgo. Remember him? He, remember him? He used to be around these parts. Um, some children's readers' uh, books by Brooke Vital, and a junior novelization of What is the Question I Have, uh, Joe Schreiber. I imagine it might just be the junior novelization of the original novel, maybe. Or is it just a retelling of season one from the child's point of view?
4: I don't know. I would Uh, assume it is a junior novelization of season one because, you know, if you compress that, mm, you know, it's not that
3: long of a story if you compress it. And I'd be interested. Yeah. And again, you know, original novel. That makes sense. Uh, Junior novelization. Novelization usually means an adaption of something we've seen. So, yeah, that would track. Uh, Also, we get a Mando inspired comic. Excuse me. Mando inspired comics. Coming from Marvel and IDW. Uh, No more details on that. No release date on all of these. I think um, Phil Sosek did tweet out something about when the art of book comes. But this will all probably lead up into season two in October. Some promotional synergy there. So, Joseph, let's dive in. We could go anywhere you want to go. Open forum. (laughs) How do we feel uh, about this full slate of books going into season two? And what are our expectations and wants?
4: Yeah, yeah. I think the only dates that they were on that article was that it was starting this fall, which does line up with, you know, uh, getting Mandalorian hype going for uh, the mm-hmm. premiere of Season 2, but then continuing into the winter and spring. Uh, so I wonder if some of this stuff is overlapping with Season 2 or, you know, inspired by Season 2. Because, you know, a couple of these things are real mm-hmm. clear of, like, this is a, you know, the Season 1 art of, mm-hmm. you know. But the, who knows? Maybe that visual guide is coming out next spring and is going to, you know, be both season one and season two, that kind of thing. Right. Um, I think my biggest overall reaction is, given that we don't have any announcement coming about what uh, Taika Waititi's, you know, next Star Wars uh, theatrical release would be, given that the nature of the uh, unknown condition of the world is, I don't, I don't feel entirely confident that the Star Wars m- movie is coming out when they say it is. Yeah. So my overall biggest reaction is for right now, the Mandalorian is the face of Star Wars. Like mm. there's going to be, you know, other books coming out. We know there's going to be Thrawn and high Republic is going to be a big thing in the publishing world. There are going to be video games. There's going to be lots of Star Wars, but for right now in the cultural imagination, it's interesting to see Mandalorian really stepping up and saying, We are giving it all of the support and all of the uh, assets that we would normally give the next round of films. And we're Hmm. putting it on on Mandalorian, which is it's just an interesting way for me to think about the nature of Star Wars, because we've been having these discussions for so long of like Mm -hmm. after the sequel trilogy, what's going to be the next big trilogy of movies? And and we know we're going to get these uh, other TV shows eventually, but they haven't even started shooting yet because of the state of the world. So it's just interesting to think that the first live action Star Wars show is not just going to be this like one off TV show. It's going to be the face of Star Wars for a little while. Like when you can walk into a store again and you see Star Wars stuff, Mm -hmm. it will mostly be Mandalorian stuff.
3: Look, I, you know, I've been doing this show with you now for what, five years we're in our 2015, six years. I, I don't know time anymore. Uh, <laughs> you, you are uh, the master at, at, at pulling out themes from Star Wars. I've learned a lot. Of, it's influenced how I watch Star Wars and Game of Thrones, without a doubt. You've just pulled out of the, the, the theme out of the news story. <laughs> You've done it. The theme of this new story is Mandalorian is the face of Star Wars. And that's that's 100% true, accurate. Uh, it's every, everything you're saying. Uh, this stuff might have come out. Anyways, you know, someone might counter, yeah, if the movie Taiko Waititi's movie hit in twenty twenty two, we're probably all getting getting all this. But yeah, when it was released last week, and and I saw the story, that was my first reaction was um, not that oh, it's the face of Star Wars, but just like oh, this is the full this is the full Monty. This is this is everything on the buffet for this show, uh, which is it deserves, and and that makes a lot of sense now. And again, but whether by choice or not, this is. Star Wars right now, <laughs> whether Favre wants to believe it or not. Yeah. I mean, I Fascin- think in, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, and that's just fascinating yeah, that, that this little show, it's, it's the little show that took a big technological swing and, and it connected with a lot of people for good reasons. And and the doc- documentary series drove that home. And, and now uh, we'll get to take that series and put it in our, and again not surprised not surprised that a, a, a star wars uh, property is being marketed and covered by books you know within <laughs> not surprised but it means more now it, it it definitely means more now
4: yeah and especially is that season two in a world where he, there isn't a lot the world is going to run dry of, of content that was shot before uh the virus hit and season two is going to be able to give mandalorian legs for quite a Long time, and I think it—it it was driven home to me. My wife and I have been catching up on the Disney Gallery episode. She hasn't seen, so we just watched the score episode, and that's mm. the episode where John Favreau has that nice little speech about like, like, look, we're not trying to be Star Wars. Star Wars is Star Wars, and it's over here, and we're this little offshoot. <laughs> and like, yeah, no, not right now. Yeah, you know, to a yeah. whole generation of people, you're gonna be Star Wars. You're gonna be like John Favreau is saying all that in Filoni are saying all that to ludwig about his score but like it's true about the show itself
3: it absolutely is and and especially if you start adding in characters that we're already familiar with even if they're characters well i was gonna say even even if it is the rumored boba fett or the rumored ahsoka which i'm still putting all those in the rumored category those are big names from different eras of star wars so suddenly you are connected with that and you're going to want more stories and i'm going to want to uh wallace sean to star in a my dinner with boba fett um version <laughs> of the <laughs> I uh, i want that uh, I, I by the way i'm intrigued one of the other options i didn't read it uh, one of the other books coming out is a um little golden book retelling of mm-hmm. season one and i actually love those i've bought a few of those for my friends with kids on the way or, or the young kids I, I i might buy that one just oh baby yoda
4: yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the the marketing machine that this show organically allows itself to be, is you get all the badass, cool guy vibes you want from the Mando himself, and then, you know, the traditional uh, weird and cute, yeah. <laughs> good old Baby Yoda's got you covered, the child. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, are, what are you thinking about actual content? We talked about maybe that uh, junior novelization is just season one, but... A, an adult book. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. a, a book marketed towards adults. Uh, this one by Adam Christopher. Yeah. A, and comics. Those are the two, those are the yeah. things that we're going to end up, like the art of and the visual guide are going to be cool, but we know what those are, right? Yeah. But in terms of what you and I talk about, the stories, the ideas, the themes, that original adult novel in a comic books, that's where the palette is going to be expanded. What What are you thinking about those?
3: I, I... I'm intrigued by the I'm intrigued by the comics one. I don't read the IDW stuff, uh, not for any negative reason. I just it's it's overwhelming with the comics. And I just got at some point made that decision. I just focused on the Marvel ones that might change over time. Maybe it's the Mando stuff. I'm intrigued because comics, though, they take big swings of big themes and big characters and big moments. We've seen that the Kylo comic, Vader, etc., etc., etc. I'd like to see the Mando something in his past, something smaller. You could also spin it off um set up stuff with say Fennec Shan before that moment uh you you could really build out and maybe build build back <laughs> backfill build to the side and definitely go forward and and connect it with season two or maybe it is revealed maybe you know uh, we get a little bit of sokotano I don't know I don't know but I, I I the comics I think you can really go small in a good way the book yeah. Yeah, I I I don't even know. And yeah, the description of adult novel means they're going to take episode 4 and just extend it a few more feet in the forest. I don't know. I really don't I really don't. I I I not it's not just about about trying to keep an open mind on it. I, I you know, you can really fill in some blanks. Is it young Mando? Is it the story of his what happened when he was discovered? Something between the margins? I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know what I want. I don't even know what I want. The comics have more of a clearer idea. on
4: yeah, I think the comics, I'm totally with you, and in, in the fact that in the press release they call the comics Mando-inspired, that makes me mm-hmm. think, well, maybe Marvel's just going to do a straight-up Cara Dune series, and, you know, we'll start from, you know, the destruction of Alderaan, and where was she then, mm. and her, her path through the Rebellion, and, you know, that would be a great, just a Cara Dune comic, um, you know, it would be great to just, hey, times where Mando isn't around, we just follow grief Karga's, you know, bounty hunter, you, you know, unit, and mm-hmm. The, you know the guild and the tracking fobs and that that bounty hunter that little version of bounty hunter world that was introduced to us uh, yeah. that all makes great great storytelling possibilities that are mando inspired that don't touch the show the novel is fascinating to me because uh I'm curious to see obviously Favreau and Filoni's uh attitude is this is a playground come on in and play but I also it also feels like they have a general arc for season two and already heading into season three, so I'm curious if it's just like this is an adventure that Mando had, or if it's or, or if they're going to let somebody else tell like important connective tissue.
3: Yeah, uh, what well, like, do you go through um, uh, the, the the Siege of Mandalore stuff, uh, uh, you know, part two uh, with, with the with uh, the purge, the Great Purge? Do you get any of that information? Do you, Do you want that in a novel? You know.
4: Yeah, and then for me, there's that like, how much does that start to touch on the psychology of the character being shown in such a specific way in the show? Like, it's an important part of the show that we are only seeing flashes of his trauma in specific moments. When, (laughs) when it's hammer time, Uh, when it's hammer trauma time, that's when we see it. Or when it when he specifically chooses to open up to another character, there's a lot of storytelling choices about him revealing his deepest uh, past so i wonder if it is a story that i'll be like this is fun and it fills out some stuff but it is not absolutely core to the character because my instinct is they have plans for that in the show
3: yeah 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 if it's all tied in i don't know i'm I'm just gonna keep answering i don't know because I, I, i i was on last last tuesday again when i saw the news like not surprised but just pleasantly like oh wow i didn't i just kind of forgotten that this was an option and that this could still come forward and and i hadn't thought of it again this is a different how you view a tv show this is why we understand the spirit of what favreuse keeps saying is it we i I think you know we understand it and we get it on a certain point of view he's not he's not wrong this is like it says yeah it's a tv show over here oh wow we can expand this tv show universe oh interesting didn't think about that you know
4: yeah yeah, it's definitely uh, one of those uh, ideas of like he sees this as these are little side characters, and like actually, that those are we like those characters, so yep. they're now the main characters, <laughs> they're the now big deal characters. My only random guess for the novel mm-hmm. is uh, Mando's time with the uh, other bounty hunters from episode six, because that suggests like. That could be a good adventure. We already got some hints that maybe he has a flirtation. Uh, we got that hint of he maybe backstabbed somebody, mm. and that's kind of like that's a it's a clear time in his in his past where he was, uh, you know, still an ass kicking bounty hunter, and maybe had a little bit of emotional cracks. But that seems right. like an area that you could tell a fun story around with lots of other characters to explore as well as uh Mando and deliver kind of a lot of what you expect from the general the mandalorian aesthetic but not get too revealing about the big mandalorian you know siege of mandalore his adoption all that
3: that's a good that's a, to me that'd be a good comic series five-parter i like that idea nice I like that. um all right uh, i'll say a final final for me on this uh you know we tease pablo over here we'd love his work though um, so he's done some of his best work in the visual guides. The right, I thought the Rise of Skywalker one, um, snarky at times, informative above all. Uh, and, and I mean, snarky in a good way, you know, he just was kind of like, I'm gonna answer all your questions about <laughs> the sequel trilogy, but the solo one, the Rogue One visual guide, he's got a lot of story w- weaved through there and has a lot of fun. Uh, I think with Mando being connected to those small. Visual guide parts of Star Wars. I'm looking forward to what he's going to reveal in that one.
4: Yeah, me too. He had such great uh, flavoring character. And I think he has such a command of the entire history of Star Wars from, you know, expanded universe through everything that he adds, those little bits of nuance that connect you one idea back to another uh, idea. And I'm excited for that.
3: Absolutely. Well said. And I'm um, throwing all the four center catchphrases into that news story. Uh, <laughs> Mandalorian season two. Not that far for now, my friends. Not that far. Time has no meaning. Quick story here. Collectibles <laughs> update. Uh,
4: I think that it does have to be one of our new uh, our new catchphrases. You know, <laughs> the next time that I want to say well said to you, I'm just going to say time has no meaning, Ken.
3: Time has no meaning. <laughs> uh, I gotta, oh god i haven't showed you our, our friend brian ward did a four center catchphrase uh, um, for, uh, uh, photo for you and i took a, oh. a still frame from uh, the animated databank brawl and put uh, put two of our catchphrases on it it's i gotta <laughs> pay that to you yes Thank please you, uh, collectibles update collectibles update lego art sets made for quote adults what I'm staring in my hand. This is what I built in my hand. Uh, the box is right here. Ages 7 through 12, Joseph. As uh, they say, in, the set in French is Les spider des Rays. I built that this weekend. Ooh. My building show on Twitch. So I don't like this made-for-adults sales pitch, but I get it. <laughs> Lego Art Star Wars The Sith Building set uh, will be released uh, internationally August 1st uh, in the United States, September 1st. Uh, we got 3,395 total pieces. That's a lot of pieces of Maul, Vader, and Kylo. These are like art, art, inst- like art installations you can put on your wall. Uh, each, set, each set comes with a bespoke soundtrack. I love that phrase. Um, this one features Doug Chang and Glenn Dillon. Uh, you can play it while you build. So, my biggest question for the story, because again, this is a, just a collectible update. You either want it or you don't want it. You collect a lot of things in Star Wars, Joseph, but I know Lego. Not by desire, like or lack of desire, just not not a big Lego Star Wars collection for you, right?
4: No. In the world where I was exceedingly wealthy and had uh, separate rooms for each of my Star Wars collections, I would absolutely have an entire Lego room. But no.
3: <laughs> so that's that's this is my my ever never ending quest to find out what Lego sets you would buy. <laughs> would you get these ones? Would Would you entertain the thought because you could hang them on a wall?
4: Yeah, you know what? I would entertain buying this, making it, and then giving it away. Um, Ooh, okay. I did not mean to do this, but my main thought on this uh, this story is also pulling out what I think the theme of this new story is. <laughs> so, uh, here's here's the big picture. Here's what I think the theme is. This is not a Lego art set. This mm-hmm. is marketed Star Wars meditation. This is a... Looks like you can spend a bunch of time slowly putting, you know, over 3,000 little pieces together. You can choose to make Maul, Vader, Kylo. You don't need to fight about who's the best. You're in your own home. You just make it. And then while you're slowly putting all these tiny pieces together, you put your earbuds in and you listen to people calmly (laughs) talk about Star Wars. And you have some adult alone time with Star Wars.
3: Ah, yes. Yes. Pour a whiskey and stare (laughs) into the eyes of Maul.
4: Yeah, like just the way they're advertising it of like, it's going to take you forever to put together and the pieces are too small for a child. So you have to make the children go away. And then you can just listen to Doug Chang basically do like Star Wars as art while you slowly, (laughs) calmly build a picture of Kylo Ren, you know,
3: that. Focus on why you like the bad guy toys better. Uh, good. Uh, final thought on this there in terms of Star Wars art, because this is you hanging on a wall. That's art, right? Um, I have some stuff. You definitely have some stuff. What kind of Star Wars art are you drawn to? Classic movie posters, uh, interpretations, paintings, still frames from the movies. What, what? Uh, you know, again, if you lived in that uh, Naboo mansion on the seed <laughs> uh, palace, where would you hang your Star Wars art? And what would your Star Wars art be?
4: Yeah, I like the uh, I like the posters. I've got a couple of posters. Uh, I like a little bit more of the offbeat ones. Uh, I still need to hang it up, but I've got a print of that uh, 1978, I believe, uh, poster for the re-release of A New Hope. That's got it, the poster itself is posters peeling on off a wooden board, and I just love how mad it is. The ones I really like, and so does my wife, that we want to get eventually are the ones that kind of look like they're from inside the world of Star Wars and are basically advertisements from within the, the world of Star Wars, either like pitching you to travel to Endor or the propaganda ones like uh, mm-hmm. to join the rebellion. Uh, I I really love those. I've got a real kind of 1920s, 30s uh, WPA vibe to them. And we both like really like that aesthetic and it's Star Wars. So that's really where, where where it works for me.
3: I love that. I love that. I, 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 I do have some of the posters and the alternate posters and some fun, quirky ones. I'm drawn to um, uh, our, our friend Joe Starr has a, has a friend named Nan Lawson does art. She does a lot of pop culture art and a, a lot of her Game of Thrones and a lot of her Star Wars stuff. Check her stuff out. It's great. It's just kind of like whimsical, but uh, poignant kind of takes on a lot of the, the scenes. And those are the kinds I like. Uh, but those those propaganda ones work for me, too. Um, yeah, then, they're beautiful. It's a, it's a moral question of which one are you going to hang? you've chosen rebellion. I love my empire, but am I going to hang Imperial propaganda in my living room? Probably not.
0: Yeah. We um, saw
4: one of those, uh, one of the Imperial ones at, uh, I think at San Diego comic-con, my wife and I, and she was like, that's beautiful. I love it. We can't put that in our home. I'm not going to advertise
3: to join the empire in my home. <laughs> so true. Uh, final story of the day. This is probably, and I'm slightly joking here, not, mean, not meaning to be snarky, but I think like the fifth or sixth time we've run a story on this upcoming book Uh, Clone Wars stories of light and dark we're we're really looking forward to this book here at Force Center and the authors and their stories have been revealed Uh, let me just run through the list here uh Lou Anders writing to Dooku captured and the Gungan general uh Shahibar a hostage crisis Zareda Cordova the lost night sister Jason Fry sharing the same face Rebecca Roanhorse dark vengeance uh, Greg Van Eekout, Kenobi's Shadow, uh, Tom Engelberger, Bane Story, uh, a- E. Ann Covery, Bug, Sarah Beth Durst, Almost a Jedi, Yoon Ha Lee, The Shadow of Umbara, and Anne Ursa, Pursuit of Peace. So these are all based uh, or sometimes just direct kind of retellings from another point of view of some of the episodes or they're based on some of the, the, the bigger episodes. So a lot of these are either the same title. Or connect to what uh, they're they're about. So, what stories have our attention now, Joseph?
4: Yeah, I was really thrilled to finally hear which stories, and uh, there are a ton of my favorite stories. Uh, The Jason Fry one, sharing the same face, is based on Ambush, the first just uh, Mm -hmm. uh, in release order regular episode of Clone Wars, where Yoda you know tells the clones that they are all unique in the Force, and like what a great way to kick off the Clone Mm -hmm. Wars. It's, It's just some great Yoda philosophy in there, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, really enjoyed Rebecca Roanhorse's uh, other Star Wars work, so I'm very interested in uh, in Dark Vengeance. Uh, S- Sarah Beth Durst, Almost a Jedi, based on the Great uh, Gathering series, where we meet all of the uh, younglings building their lightsabers, and then they you know get into big trouble with Hondo. Super excited about that. But my number one, I don't know the author at all, Greg Van Eekhout, uh, but Kenobi's Shadow is based on one of my favorite moments in the Clone Wars and one of my uh, you know, people sometimes ask us about inspiring moments. It's one of my key Star Wars inspiring moments of, you know, spoilers for Clone Wars. Um, when Maul kills uh, Satine, in expects Obi-Wan to break. Mm. And he's just like, no, that's the whole thing. Of course I want to kill you. You just killed someone I love. But this is why the light side is stronger. And this is why the darkness is weak. It's the weakest, easiest thing to do to lash out in anger. And it's the last thing Satine would want. So I'm not going to do it. Um, and it sounds like the story is building up, like how much was he tempted in that moment? What built up to that? And and I'm really excited and a little nervous because I'm such a uh, Kenobi obsessive uh, about how that gets
3: handled. Uh, pff, understood. Understood. It's like when your favorite little band suddenly becomes a headlining act. You're like, this is my <laughs> moment. This is mine. This is my band. Uh, though, hey, Kenobi's, pretty popular uh, he's everybody's uh, band yeah exactly he's everyone's band uh some of the ones that are grabbing my attention uh lou anders uh the gungan general gimme give gimme give some uh jar jar stuff here right give me a little bit more uh, i'm uh, i'm interested in that i zareda uh cordova's the lost night sister uh rebecca of dark vengeance i like those ones as well I am intrigued by Tom Engelberger and Bane's story, uh, and the, and this is based on the episode of "Deception," "Friends and Enemies," "The Box," and "Crisis on the Boop." So this, to me, is kind of all right. We've we want more Bain stuff, Cad Bane. We all hear that. We all you probably agree on some level. I love that character. So this is one of those like, all right, here you go. You got more. How's it going to work? And is it going to translate? Uh, you know, I'm not, Challenging Tom as a writer, I don't know him. I don't. Uh, I'm just really excited to see how this can uh, how it can work. More Cad Bane, so uh, that's something a lot of people want.
4: Yeah, yeah, we're all pro Bane here.
3: <laughs> pro Bane. So that's. Uh, but I'm looking forward to all of them as well. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about this as we get really close to this book released on August 25th? Is the plan uh, being so tied to the episodes and the moments we already know? Uh, I cite the Kenobi one specifically to you as it could be like, oh, my God, wow, a uh, new context or uh, just makes that scene better. Or it could be at odds with even with our uh, speculation uh, being very responsible around these parts. Uh, it, it could be at odds. It, it runs at risk. And, and uh, is the risk going to be worth the reward for you?
4: Oh, yeah, because I think it is a, a healthy letting go because, you know, let, let's say I read it and, like, uh, I'm not sure about it at first uh, because maybe I had, you know, some different headcanon for Kenobi. Mm-hmm. It's always a thing, a, a good exercise then to read it again and maybe, you know, try to put my headcanon away and see it uh, again in a new light. And even if I'm like, eh, I'm not sure, this is the thing is is we can really have fun as Star Wars fans with canon, but I think it's also a good exercise to just go. That motivation doesn't track for me, and it's one story. I don't need to believe it if I don't want to as a fan. Yeah,
3: that's yep. called reading from a certain point of view. Yeah,
4: yeah, and I, I sound overly. I'm I'm not uh, staying up at night <laughs> no. worried about this one Kenobi story. I think it's a really cool idea. This whole book to yep. instead of, uh, instead of writing new stories, in finding new conflicts to bring out these same emotions and details from characters it's really cool to say well let's go to let's really focus on this character in a story where they have this kind of really interesting pivotal conflict to who they are as a character and just spend some time in their head is a really interesting approach rather than just coming up with a new story to kind of repeat the same conflict
3: yeah yeah no and and i i i you know risks risk reward i definitely think it's always going to end up being a bigger reward And uh, we're going to review Queen's Peril on on Thursday. And I think that's a great example of let's go into some familiar territory and look around the corners and it, it can work really really well that is a look at the star wars news for now we'll see what is updated the moment we press publish on this episode (laughs) Uh, before we uh, take a quick break and on the other side of it look at jedi temple challenge and take uh, your questions we are going to have our force center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us joseph what do we have this week
4: we are recommending Alphabet Squadron, Shadowfall by Alexander Freed. That is the next book coming up that we will get to uh, reading and reviewing. So if you want to be on board with us and listening at the same time we're reading, you can
3: check it out. And to download Shadowfall or any free audio book you want to try, go to audibletrial.com slash Again, that's audibletrial.com slash for your free audiobook. All right, we're going to take a quick break on the other side. We're going to lo- learn some lessons from Jedi Temple Challenge and take some questions from all of you. We'll see you on the other side. Back to Force Center. I, I apologize for saying goodbye to you all the, the, the first act. I, I hope you stuck around. I don't know. It's it's the old radio thing. It's, it's, stick around the other side of the break. We got Doobie brothers coming up. See ya. Uh, so I apologize. <laughs> for you. <laughs> <It wasn't> the- <laughs> uh we're back, Joseph. We're gonna get to the fan questions in a moment. We love taking a taking a bit here to look at Jedi Temple Challenge. Uh, we enjoy the show. We enjoyed this show's presence, and it's just kind of fun to for me, sit down with a cup of coffee, some toaster bowl of cereal when it comes out, and just take myself back to being 10, 11, and 12 and what I wouldn't do to compete in this game. You know what I mean?
4: No, that sounds so wholesome. I watched this particular episode at, uh, I think, 1 a.m. with a glass of whiskey, and I just got, I got so
3: mad at the leap and lift. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um. <laughs> uh... I want to talk about that. Uh, So uh, here's our teams. We always highlight our teams. Miguel and Kaylee, blue team. They both were 10, and they went on to the finals. Gigi and Skyla, orange. Oh, my heart was breaking for them in the second round. And Giovanni and Jaden, the purple team. I got to start with them, Joseph. Um, We had a couple (laughs) moments. Jaden screaming on the power pole. Just frustration. Just the pull. (laughs) At one point, there was a great shot. hey ain't making fun. Is Gio pulling up his pants. They were falling down, and he's like pulling them up on a challenge. And then we got Jaden hitting the wall several times on leap Lift. <laughs> to me, I thought, you know what? I love this purple team. Giovanni and Jaden, they're us fighting through life. <laughs> you got to scream on that thing while you're pulling through it. You, 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 you know, you, you don't always look your best, and that's okay. Your pants are falling, and sometimes you want to get up and succeed and get over the top, but you're just going to keep hitting that wall. Joseph, did you find yourself in the purple team as well?
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, I absolutely did. Uh, You know, I have swung straight into the wall uh, uh, many times, many times in life. Uh, Didn't wasn't it Giovanni and Jaden who laid out that uh, one was the brains and one was the the brawn? Yes. And then I think the one that was brawn was not helping as much on the push and pull. I was like, come on, guys. Well, you know your roles. Let's follow through on our strengths.
3: Know your roles, and one of the to me the highlighted lesson in, lesson in this uh, episode was listening. Uh, we saw it maybe hurt the blue team in the end, and I think maybe if Jade and Giovanni had listened to each other's strengths, they might have gotten through. Um, they were but, super
4: charming. They were, they were they were honestly like one of the most likable and just enthusiastic and, and fun teams. It was really yeah. cool to see them.
3: Yeah, no, I really, I really was just not laughing uh, at them at all. I just when I saw Geo pull up his pants, I was like, "This kid's me." I go, this is, this is, this is what my experience and I've talked a lot, like the leap and lift would be real tough for me then now and forever. And I just, when they kept showing Jaden hitting the wall, I was like, I, that, that'd be me now at 44. four. would be me there in a 10, 11, 12. I just, I feel for you, man. So I was yep. moved was moved.
4: Damn leap um, and lift. I see those short kids yeah. and I'm like, they're going to have a hard time on the leap and lift.
3: I, yeah, no, I will say, because uh, Gigi and Skyla uh, just breeze right through it. They got a height advantage. And look, I I, I used to coach uh, Little League Baseball and I coached nine through 12. That's the age group. So that's not some random thing I think they're doing here with Jedi Temple Challenge, right? Like it's, yeah. hey, that's, that's generally considered and, and even here they've gone up to 13 or 14. So I don't think that I have a huge problem with it I and mean, and by the way I would never have a giant problem with Jedi Temple Challenge on the <laughs> ages are off no um I I I've coached I've coached teams it and, and it is somewhat of a difference uh, a 9-year-old doing leap and lift and a 13-year-old doing leap and lift I I I you know I don't know I might file a complaint with the with the Jedi council <laughs>
4: It's not fair the leap and lift is
3: holding me back Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What if, uh I always like asking uh, you and, and, and myself, like if we are in this situation, whether it be now, whether it be then in our youth, what would we be? If Joseph, if is like if we were a team or you just were competing with someone else, even engineer or pilot, what choice would you feel more comfortable with?
4: Uh, absolutely, pilot. Uh, the engineer looks cool, but the engineer can be more easily vexed by the actual physical world. It seemed like in this episode in particular. There are times where I think they knew the answer and they just couldn't find the damn prop. Yes. And I know that's how I'd be hung up of like, I know it's binders. I know it's binders, but they're in the bottom of the the box and all they got tangled up with the Comlink and ah damn it.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. You are you are you and I are of the same mind, which means if we were on it on a team, we'd have to, I don't know, draw <laughs> draw death sticks to see who would be the pilot. <laughs> Sitting down, concentrating. Uh, it it just you're a little more zen this is why uh you know mace and yoda sit down to talk about the force a lot um but engineer you know i could do it but i'm I'm like you yeah there'd be that time of like you you need to pull a tauntaun and the only thing you can think of is an atst what is it what is it so all right we're we're of the same mind which means we'll probably need to be on different teams sad but true but true. Well, have to does Jennifer what uh, which one she wants to be uh, final lessons here, Miguel and Kaylee, uh, the blue team, they, they almost got there. They didn't. They didn't get there. But uh, they said, I believe it was Kaylee said, it, 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 if you lose, it's OK. And we talked about the competition angle of the show. You know, nothing inherently wrong with that. But, Joseph, there's bigger lessons beyond just winning, winning, winning. And this was this this was a highlighted one. And, and they they didn't fall to the dark side. And I thought that there'd every reason to speed things up, and and they didn't, and it probably maybe even led to uh, defeat in this silly little fun game. But I thought it was a big lesson, man. They stayed pure even in defeat.
4: I was so happy with that because they had communicated so well in the uh, in round two, and it had really given them an advantage. They'd been so supportive to one another, and. <laughs> It's awful to be an adult watching this like I could see the strain getting to those kids. Uh, <laughs> but in round through, I I could see like, oh, yeah, you know, teamwork and listening is the way to go. But you're you're on the razor's edge. And I was so happy when they didn't give into the dark side. I was so happy for them. Yeah, I loved it. I really
3: did. I loved it. I loved it. This this uh, watching Jedi Temple challenge is is always fought. And, and, you know, we keep focused on Mary Holland and I'm um, at best as as, as Keller back and. You know, this week was a little bit more of the kids for me. So uh, a couple more, about five more episodes left for season one, at least. And it's been a journey. It's been a fun journey. Uh, Jedi Temple Challenge on Star Wars Kids. Uh, Check it out. Does it sound like advertising for it? Yeah, we are. Because we're Star Wars fans.
4: It's good Star Wars content. I love the Ewoks, too. And you know what? This is a thing that I don't make a point of. uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. So it was just great to see them. And and I like the ambiguity in the story of um, they fended the Ewoks off. Like,
0: how is that?
3: Is that
4: I actually, combat?
3: Yeah, actually, I was going to make it note. I actually forgot. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, that, that was murder bears to the ump degree there, right? Fierce, <laughs> treated as fierce, and something happened. We don't know that fight, but it come, turns around uh, good in the end because the Ewoks are, uh, I think, by nature good. So,
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah they are. They, they worked everything out.
3: Good stuff. Good stuff. From there, we are going to go to audience questions. We got some good ones here today. What do we got now, Joseph?
4: That is right. We always grab some questions from both social media and our great patrons on Patreon. So we're going to Twitter first. Uh, got a question from Kyle or Kiel. Uh, they say, what is your favorite planet from a galaxy far, far away? And why? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken, you know, I always struggle with uh, with favorites. I struggle with even coming up with top five. So just one favorite. Uh, I don't know if I can do it. But can you do
3: you have one favorite planet? We're in the we're in the same boat. I, I literally have listed five planets. Um, so I'll just I'll tell you what. Much like we do on Star Wars Show and Tell, some runner ups or Star Wars ranked, and I'll get to my answer. I'll choose from this crew: uh, Naboo, Coruscant, the Moon of Endor. Uh, since we want to be specific, Mustafar and Hoth. Reason Hoth is a little solitude and cold. I can dig that. Um, th- th- my favorite planet. I still, I still might go. To, to Coruscant, I've been, uh, and that answers, you know, where do you want to live in Star Wars? Or where do you want to take a vacation in Star Wars? Those fun questions pop up a lot. Naboo is, for me, an answer all the time. And I love learning more of the history of Naboo, especially in some of the uh, E.K. Johnston books. Really do love it. Uh, Corson just it's that urban living, that urban sprawl. I'm fascinated of who was the first person to say, well, we need like a second level. What do you think? Uh, I, I, I'm intrigued by it. There's big lessons there. Dexter's Diner. Um, the fact that uh, Sabe from uh, you know the Queen's Handmaiden, when she moves to Corson, gets an apartment and it's near Dexter's Diner, like speaks to me. Like, I'm all about it. Um, I'm intrigued by Mustafar the more we learn about it, like the, his history, the different aspects of it when it pops up in the movies and the shows. Love it. But I'll, I'll say Joseph Corson.
4: Wow. Wow. This is great. We're going to save some time because we have very similar lists. Yeah. Um, Hoth uh, is a great planet, uh, but living uh, for many years in Minnesota during the winter, I have lived on Hoth. I know that experience. <laughs> it's <laughs> enjoyable. True. I've acted it out. I have fallen in the snow just like Luke. Uh, I've not been attacked by a wampa. Also Naboo. Naboo is not only just beautiful. It's always highest on the list when people ask us, where would you live? Um, But I just, I love the design of it. I love um, how much imagination goes into it. It pops up in E.K. Johnston's uh, novels, obviously, Queen's Shadow and Queen's Peril. But the Gungan Society, how it overlaps with the Naboo Society, society, you know, the beautiful Lake Country, all that. There's so much uh, to speak for Naboo. Uh, mustafar is high for me because in some ways it's the most over the top planet it is it's one of the planets that really reminds you of like this is still a pulpy adventure serial um where did the guy uh go evil <laughs> yeah. on the volcano planet that's just a basically screaming open wound in the galaxy that's where he went evil um yeah, so it, it, the design and in it, yeah, it, every time it's popped up in canon, it's really exciting. So I often think Mustafar first. I'll put Octo up there as kind of the real opposite of Mustafar, of a place that feels very, uh, you know, peaceful and like a, a very light side planet. As a fan of the light side, I think I'm drawn to Octo. Um, Bespin is not a planet, but Cloud City is probably my favorite place in all of Star Wars Uh, because it fires my imagination and the just the different contrasting designs from the beautiful kind of art deco hallways to the uh, carbon freezing chamber all that Uh, but number one you and I are in agreement if I have to pick one it's Coruscant uh, because it has just a richness of stories you know if you go to that kind of Private investigator noir storytelling, you know, the, the, the city that never sleeps, the city with a thousand stories. This is a city of billions and billions of stories at all different levels, all different time periods. I am hungry for uh, more Coruscant storytelling. I would take Coruscant the novel, just a thousand page history of Coruscant.
3: You, you could do that. I mean, you could do those kind of the history of it. You could do story 22 stories, of course. And you could do all of that stuff. Yeah,
4: it is uh, just the best. Dex, Dexter's Diner is just the beginning.
3: Yeah, and, and look, shout out to Timothy Zahn for for bringing that into the Star Wars uh, galaxy. Been kind of fascinated with it and, and hot chocolate in Star Wars ever since.
4: That's right. Uh, I would not maybe read that book. Just, you know, just to do a tiny bit of dark side negativity. I would not read the hot chocolate book. I'm sorry. I'm a monster. Uh, We are going to move on then to Broom Kid. Uh, Here's what I don't think it's the real Broom Kid. That would be great. But here's what Broom Kid has to say and ask. The ending of episode nine seems open ended. What are your thoughts and feelings on the world that is on the horizon? Personally, I would love to see more of the adventure ahead for Ray and the Star Wars universe. Uh, we've talked about this a decent amount. There's uh, a lot of uh, our listeners who are really excited to see more about what's next for Ray and Poe and Finn and Rose and Janna and Lando and the whole galaxy right there. Ken, what what are your feelings on the fact that it is open ended, and what do you imagine for the galaxy?
3: Love, I love the open-ended nature. It just made sense, right, in a lot of different ways. Of 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 the road is open, and and it could be paved any way that these characters want it. Now, uh, I thought that was good, and and this is just kind of a summary because you, you said we we've talked about it some other places, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again, maybe even more formalized capacity uh, to me, the, the general thought is that there's always a bigger fish. Um, I, I believe this is kind of the beginning, the fourth age of a middle earth and star Wars a true a true turning of the page, if you will. And while it's not, I don't know, not necessarily return to the high Republic, but I see, I foresee like a new era of exploration, growth, a chance to rebuild a stronger foundation because by now the galaxy knows the great evil can return. At least we hope. And we the idea of this was an actual victory of the people we've talked about that big theme in Rise of Skywalker versus more of a military uh, victory in Return of the Jedi, which does not take away from the Return of the Jedi one. I just love and I think we all kind of agree. We did love this idea of. Following Return of the Jedi, it wasn't all, uh, you know, fireworks, and Ewok dances, like they struggled and there was problems and government issues and old, old themes and old struggles return. You could maybe see where now there's more of sense of a, a complete victory than people they could go forward. As far as Ray, I'll focus on that. There's a lot of characters to focus on, obviously. Um, uh, you, you talk about Lando and Janna, that could be a mission of healing, mission of self-discovery. that's powerful stuff to me too. But Ray to me I, I see Ray slowly, slowly finding her way to teaching new Jedi and teaching what she knows. and I, I kind of believe in the concept and like the concept of a theory of a new Jedi and then think can be a part of that part of this new model that's not a gray Jedi. it's not a necessary rage Jedi, but just kind of you know taking all aspects, those books are gone but what we have, we, all we, ha- all we need is in our hands. And and I like Ray kind of going forth when she's ready, when she's ready. Maybe that's part of it too. Like I'm not going to dive right into this. I'm, I'm going to spend some time on my own skin around the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. I like all, I really like
4: all those ideas. Um, I, th- I really like the idea presented in the novelization of Rise of Skywalker in terms of what is different about this victory. Well, this victory didn't come just from a small band uh, of rebellion. This victory came from everyone in the galaxy choosing to show up or, you know, a large representation of the galaxy. So I like the idea of some new government being formed of like, great, let- we're not we're not restoring anything. We're starting over again. And man everybody this can't just be the resistance people but you know we need buy-in from as many people as possible mm-hmm. um within that I like the idea that you know maybe there'd be a cry for Poe to be the uh, the chancellor but I don't, yeah. I don't think that's Poe's thing yeah. I think that's uh I think that's Larma Dacey I think Larma Dacey is oh, yeah. the chancellor <laughs> in my head canon um yeah. and then I think th- there's been such a journey of these characters about finding one another for the main characters in particular with Ray wanting to accept her own power and her own agency, but also wanting to uh, feel belonging. And I kind of like the idea of, yeah, Ray's not just going to race forward and go, where am I going to put my Jedi training, uh, you know, uh, school that maybe she's going to travel around with, uh, with Finn and maybe even with Poe, maybe with Rose. I think Rose is busy in the government too. Um, mm. But I like the idea that they stay together, and there's got to be a lot of damage from this world, from this war, and from all of the buildup from the first order, and maybe they're just going around helping people and just you know staying together and getting to see the galaxy, uh, which I think both uh, Ray and Finn certainly want to do, bonding a little bit, and for Ray's just kind of Jedi philosophy, one of the things I've really been appreciating that's in the movies for Ray is. Because of her experience, knowing what it's like to be abandoned and alone, her instinct is to help people. She doesn't have to rescue BB-8. It's like the f- first thing we see her do, practically. Right. she He's being bullied by Tito, and she helps him. And I feel like that theme gets played out in Rise of Skywalker, that that's her instinct, to help the Vexus, to help Dio, to be kind to him. And I think her just taking that of like, well, that's who I've always been, and at the core of the Jedi, when it really, really works, it's just about helping anyone. Like the way Ahsoka discovers, of it's just about when somebody needs help, I'm going to go help them. And I really like the idea of her just like, I'm going around the galaxy trying to kind of help where I can. And if I find somebody who's Force sensitive and they want to be trained, I'll I'll pass it on. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. All right, let's write these stories. <laughs>
4: It is really exciting, and I, I, it's so it's so exciting that so many fans are excited to hear those stories. And, you know, given the nature of Star Wars, I think in some form, in some way, uh, eventually they will be told, right?
3: Yeah, the Republic Reborn, a Star Wars story.
4: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. I like it. You got go title. <laughs> that's all I like. uh, any any further thoughts on that or should we move on? No,
3: I mean that that's we might dig into that uh, a little bit more juicy uh, in a juicier level. A juicier way. A squishy juicy lemon of an episode down the line.
4: <laughs> the juicy level is my favorite level of course.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, that's level 13 of 10.
4: <laughs> it's a thing of beauty. We're going to move on then to Patreon. This is, comes from a listener and podcaster himself Alden Diaz. Alden says With the news that Star Wars Battlefront 2 is ceasing new content, which is definitely more real-world business climate-related than actually Battlefront-related, I've been thinking a lot about endings. For some reason that I can't explain, no more new in the game really bummed me out more than I expected. Maybe it's because they put so much care into it. Maybe it's because I looked forward to the game as an escape during quarantine. In any case, maybe I just need some Star Wars counseling. But it made me want to ask, what are the Star Wars endings that hit the hardest or the most complex for you? Doesn't even need to be in story. It could be the ending of a figure line or something like that. Uh, for me, it'd be the end of Rebels. Great thoughts on the, uh, the sometimes just emotional trauma of a part of Star Wars ending. Ken, when, when you uh, reflect on all the various endings of Star Wars, what's where, the one where you've been affected the most?
3: Well, I'll tell you what, Alden—he uh, always contributes great questions and makes sense. It's a—it's a great show, uh, Octo Radio, uh, which I love. That concept—it's just Luke on an island talking to himself. So, <laughs> uh, no, so I—I I ran through the list because because I was like, as as we were getting to this question, I was like, okay, I got, and then and then when it was like, hey, it can be outside the story, I was like, oh, I got that one. I'll start there. Mighty Mugs. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of toy that if you've ever been in a convention with me, as you have Joseph, I do a great bit of searching for mighty mugs that I didn't get to. Uh, they were the precursor to Funko Pops. They were a little bit bigger, uh, bolder, vital, uh, great packaging. I think even similar to the Funko Pops, which again, I, I was always pulled in by Funko Pops by the packaging more than anything. Um, that's why one of the reasons I don't take a lot of them out. I, I just, I like the packaging mighty mugs. Uh, we're there. And this was even during an, that weird era, late to mid 2000, late two thousands. I can't remember when the, the reign of the mighty mugs was, but I wasn't, it wasn't um, I need toys for my star Wars podcast set. It wasn't, Oh, I'm free to do this again. We got new movies and I'm reliving my past. It was like me and my roommate buying mighty mugs. Cause they had GI Joe and transformers and star Wars. And it was like a first wave of, Hey, remember those things you loved as a kid. They have power again. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah and it was kind of exciting like he'd come back we we lived together you come back from like target or something like oh my god dude i got that i got the cobra commander mighty monk and so i started going i get the get the star wars ones and that was the, again not this it wasn't like the late 80s you know 1990 91 92 dark time of star wars where it was this thing of this past so to speak it, it, it was star wars the post prequel era clone wars was going but it was just like that like this is fun i combined star wars toys again and then poof it was gone Mighty mugs gone. It kind of kind of broke me a little Yeah, bit.
4: consumed by the Funko Pops. Almost <laughs> you could almost watch yeah. it happen on convention floors. We're like, hey, there's some Mighty Mugs. There's some Funko Pops. So oh, the Funko Pops have devoured.
3: Yeah, the Mighty Mugs. They are gone. And I didn't immediately switch over to Funko Pops because of that. I was like, eh, I like the Mighty Mugs better. Um, so that's that for me. And then quickly, um, I'll say this. Um, Revenge of the Sith. Just. 2005, seeing it, seeing uh, Baru and Owen and Luke and uh, the sunsets and going, well, that's it? Okay. And that's not a, a like the prequels or not thing. That was just as a fan going, all right. I didn't think we'd ever get to six movies. We did. And there you go. Okay. Now what? <laughs> yeah. And you accept it. And looking back and then plus, you know, you're still got a lot of, well, those sucked kind of thoughts. So it was like, well, that, did that end the way I wanted it to end? Uh, I don't know. So it was it was layered, uh, um, complex, as, as Alden writes that uh, was there for that. And then this one, and, and I won't spend time on it because we've talked about it and we'll talk about it again. The death of Luke Skywalker. Hmm. Uh, it's easy to listen to Force Center or follow you and me around social media, Joseph, and say, well, those are some positive Star Wars fans. No, like, I didn't, I I liked Last Jedi. I mean, I immediately took to that movie, but I had to process some things and one of them was Luke's death and and, and it was this it was I ready for it that I needed. It was hard. Um, did it fit? Is that the story? And, and rewatching the director and the Jedi, as I said, up top of the show, when they get to that part of some of the moments where Hamill's eh, fundamentally disagree, Ryan right? Johnson saying like, I I had to ask myself, I, had to, I doubted myself. Is this what's right? A lot of people will tweet. No, 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 no. But you know, at the moment, coming out of the first screening, I was like, that's a complex layered questions and feelings about this at the end of the day I came to this that was the beautiful ending I didn't know I need for needed for that character so that's an ending that got me
4: yeah oh those are all all great all great insightful ones yeah I the the main thing I remember from that first screening of Last Jedi is so loving uh Luke's pacifist uh victory and coming up that creative solution of force projecting a crate but I still had the like but I don't want him to go (laughs) uh in in But I think I accepted it quite quickly because even to this day, like I think we got a question coming up soon about this that uh, that I that I earmarked to add uh, to the main show soon of like, well, how did you cope with Luke's death? And like at this point, it's I don't even yes, he leaves his plane, but it's it's he's moving on to the next part of his adventure. You know, he's not gone; he's with us always, kind of thing. Um, So that was an ending that helped me process endings for sure, yeah, uh, and helped me accept some of the Star Wars. ideas of letting go um man the mighty mugs are so great was it tarkin that you were looking
3: for for a while tarkin yeah w- were you and i going on some convention floors looking for some
4: yeah i think it was oh. when we were in vegas or maybe it was at la comic-con uh yeah. back around stanley kamikaze and i was uh stopping every five feet to look at a you know an, an old uh power of the force action figure and you were looking for Tarkin Mighty Mugs. And I remember the, last, the next couple of conventions I went to, I would I would take a spin looking for the yeah. Tarkin Mighty Mug.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think so. There was a couple others. And and um, uh, old pal, uh, I haven't talked to him in years, but Chris Stuckman over this Chris Stuckman YouTube channel, we were traveling around a couple of conventions at one point, and uh, he actually sent me, he found the Emperor's Royal Guard Mighty Mug and sent that to me as a gift. This is oh, wow. Years ago now. Uh still have it. They're all at my uh, storage shed. Uh, Bacon in the sun. But um, actually, they're quite safe. I check daily. Um, but yeah, yeah, that Tarkin one. I remember that. That search. Yeah,
4: yeah. well, the search will go on for the Tarkin Mighty Mug. Um, yeah, for myself, for endings, uh, Revenge of the Sith was bittersweet um because i had gone through the like it's amazing that these these are even happening the explosion of star wars everywhere uh and then the backlash of you know people my own age who you know were really hard on the prequels or disliked them uh you know i had my critiques but i at that point i loved revenge of the sith um and thought about it all the time and it was this really bittersweet thing of like well it feels really complete it really locks up you know all this poetry between anakin's journey and luke's journey and it brings us right back to the beginning and, and it felt like uh, uh owen and brew looking mm-hmm. out you know at, at the twin sons it was like who well, came back and maybe maybe someday in the far future maybe george lucas will let other people tell star wars stories on the big screen someday but you know maybe not you know maybe you know 50, 60 years from now, that'll happen. Uh, this is very bittersweet. Um, but by far, the biggest, most difficult Star Wars ending for me was just learning that endings existed, pretty much. Um, mm. Return of the Jedi came out, and I, I got like, oh, yeah, it's a it's a trilogy. You know, I had learned that word. <laughs> and okay. said, oh, there's not going to be another movie yet, maybe someday. And I would yeah, heard that, oh, it's nine movies, it's 12 movies. Um, but then... So there was the it. The movie came out and ended, and and I wasn't able to fully process. Like, but how many years until the next one? It was as the the Return of the Jedi figures slowly disappeared from stores, mm. which was happening at the exact same time that you know my brother was three years older than me, and I, rem- I can't remember. Somebody just told it to me as a fact, or I just picked it up as cultural knowledge that. Uh, eventually you will grow up and you won't want to play with action figures. And that was just insanity to me. And I knew that it was going to happen to my brother, but I couldn't process how, how would that happen ever? Like, it wasn't like, is it just going to be like one day, like just one day he goes to sixth grade and that's it. And that's the day where he no longer likes action figures. Right. And I was having to kind of go through that. Like that's, that's allegedly going to happen to me. I don't want that to happen to me. I'm going to resist that. I'm going to play with Star Wars action figures forever. Um I can only find Prune Face <laughs> at Walgreens and that's it. And there Star Wars is gone. It's just me clinging to you know Prune Face at a Kmart maybe. Uh and that was really weird cuz it was the first time I had to process that mm. things big cultural things go away.
3: Yeah, yeah. And you just had to wait for Bendems. You just were waiting for Bendems. <laughs> I was waiting for Bendems. You know, I, I
4: had, you know, some, uh, you know, I dabbled in some other uh, action figure lines that were not as as fulfilling. Uh, but then, uh, you know, I, I quickly be, realized, like, oh, it's still fun to collect them even if you don't play with them. Uh, and then the action figure love never, ever stopped. Never
3: stopped. Doesn't have to no, stop. You
4: no. that is a great question from Alden. Great, great, uh, great way to reflect on mm-hmm. all of the endings of Star Wars. Uh, that have happened and will keep happening both in big and small ways. Uh, We're going to move on to our final question from Tim Van Newland. Tim says, The Siege of Mandalore arc really was a movie instead of four episodes. I really want to see these kinds of animated movies for Star Wars, fully scored by Kevin Kiner, of course. What do you guys think about animated movies like this last Clone Wars arc for Disney Plus? This is something we've kind of talked about before, um, but I think Siege of Mandalore really put that in people's imaginations. Uh how are you feeling these days Ken do you like the idea of just suddenly there's a one shot animated film with you know that level of quality that we all saw in Siege of Mandalore that's an exclusive on Disney plus
3: gimme 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 uh that's that's uh that's where i'm at with it uh and and i'm so glad this this question uh kind of um comes out of the Siege of Mandalore arc because that uh, i was Convinced before, right? We've, like, we talked about it, and and I've brought up the Game of Thrones histories and lores uh, special features on the Blu-rays and DVDs that are animated and kind of these documentary things and being like, I'd love like some for that in Star Wars and all that kind of stuff. um But yeah, that was. I mean, Clone Wars has always been kind of written and conceived as, as a movie, uh, as Filoni will tell you. Uh, so it made sense, but it it felt like a movie. And I remember some of the opening moments when they're on that bridge. I'm like, man. I mean, if I was Nine and this scene, Star Wars for the first time, this would be just as powerful as any other thing in Star Wars that I saw for the first time or early, early viewings. So it did make me think, what are, what are the possibilities? Uh, I would love to, and because it's something, Siege of Mandalore, something we knew about, but now finally got to see, I don't know, like seeing the Battle of Jakku, all the parts that we know oh. of. I, ke- I keep talking about like, do you take a lot of these, with, with modern canon expanding or adding stuff to these things we know, can you can you put it all in one bucket? And an animated Battle of Jakku, where you have Aiden Versio and her father and that storyline and, and Shriv and Del Miko, and you have Wedge and Snap, and you have some Battlefront 2 or Battlefront 1, actually, when they added it to the game, Lost Stars. You have all these things uh, that can, that you could put into it. Uh, that we know of the Battle of Jakku, and we'll get—I'm sure—Star Wars Squadrons is probably going to unveil some things. It just has that feeling; it's working towards that. Uh, you know, Ray Slow and all the stuff going on at the end of, uh, of in the Could you put that all into one animated movie where it's like, yeah, hey, we know a lot of this, but to see it, to see it uh, play out like that in one story, oh, man, I almost can't talk about it because I want it too much. <laughs>
4: <laughs> is it a tormenting you in your very soul
3: it is it is we're not gonna it, see it
4: yeah i don't know i i think i i've long been interested in this idea we have talked about it i think there's you know other similar things in different media it's a strong line for dc of doing these animated movies a lot of them are adaptations of famous uh comic book arcs but there are there's this own kind of just standalone thing and they get you know great voice actors and they must make money because they've been making them like mad um and it really makes sense to me for star wars particularly now when animation is really ramping up because it's the thing that can be done right now mm-hmm. i also think there's some power to there are lots of stories in star wars where yeah it'd be great to do a tv show or you know uh an animated tv show but there's a lot of things that just lend itself really well to a one shot animated film to just really make the emotional stakes high, make the action stakes high the way they are in a uh, siege of Mandalore have them be specific, um, event based. You could do a whole battle of series, right? You could let's, yep. let's, uh, see the battle of Chiron belt, right? Let's see the battle yep. of tanab uh, Your battle of Jakku is just such a, oh man, that's a great idea. Nice. Um, but I think there is value in like what Disney Plus is doing this. Um, these next couple of weeks is they're releasing things on the weekend and making them events. And that works super well for Hamilton, uh, partially because it was the Fourth of July weekend. And obviously it's an insanely uh, popular thing. But they're doing that as a new X-Men is coming to the service. X-Men movie as Solo is coming. They, you know, they're putting out press releases like this is the weekend where Solo drops. So maybe check it out. I can see that this could be a real subscription driver, right? Yeah, right. And it has the possibility of getting some of the, not not that there aren't a ton of amazing voice actors, but it has the possibility of getting some of the marquee people involved who maybe don't want to do a six-season animated series Mm. but would come in and do a movie. Like, if you wrote just a great adventure... Of Jedi Master, Luke Skywalker, and Young Ben Solo, could you actually get Mark Hamill and Adam Driver to voice this one movie that really captures a lot about their relationship but still feels like this great adventure in this sort of you know unexplored golden time period? And then release that on Disney Plus as like a marquee event of like this is going to be released, you know, on this Saturday in, you know, next July, and you need to sign up for Disney Plus for this absolute event film, this one-shot event animated film.
3: I'm on board. Can we give ourselves go picture on this one?
4: <laughs> I think we got go picture, Ken. I think we're gonna imagine this <laughs> a ton. I think it's slightly more realistic right now. Um, maybe not my my uh fantasy of uh Mark Hamill, and Adam Driver doing doing Jedi right. Master uh, and Young Ben, but uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some other some others. Your, your your battle of Jakku idea is really juicy.
3: Is it's it's good because the lore of that battle continues to grow, and it, I don't. I just was pulled in it into that story from the moment I saw the the graveyard of giants that Ray was scavenging in. You know, it's like wow, wow, what a great battle, and oh, it's a new battle. Oh, okay, wow, something I hadn't heard about before. So yeah, just your imagination starts uh, stirring. So we'll see, yep. Yep. Jakku. The Last Stand of the Rebellion.
4: Coming Ooh, to I love it. I'll also throw out my regular pitch for uh, Kira versus Maul, uh, Crimson yeah. Dawn, colon Crimson
3: Ooh. Dawn. Yeah, that's just, we put that in a bulletin board and keep it there. It's like a Hall of Fame induction. That's right.
4: <laughs> uh, Hall of Fame induction that I'll probably still mention
3: every time. But that's it for our
4: questions. There's some great just, hey, let's fun, have fun and nerd out about what Star Wars stories we want to hear, our favorite planet, and some deeper stuff about the future of our heroes and the endings of Star Wars in the real world. Thanks for to Tim, Alden, Broomkid, and Kyle. Uh, that is our questions for the week. We got a lot more great questions that will be coming up next week and the weeks beyond.
3: And I love breaking up the main show and, and really getting a chance to dive into some of these stories and questions. It's, it's worked out for us. i hope it continues to work out for all of you out there. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Four center pod. Use the hashtag Four center Facebook page is Four center podcast. We are on Instagram and YouTube as well. The Tally Lintra in memoriam was just released last week. Uh, I challenged Kevin Smets. I said, I'm going to write an in memoriam for a character that's on screen for about 20 seconds. You got to find something. And he, he came through with flying colors. Uh, and our uh, Force Center show and tells. we got some special guests coming up soon on that one. So go to uh, YouTube, subscribe there. Podcasts available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. We're, uh, we have merch at public.com slash user slash Force Center. We also are on Patreon where you can support us over there at patreon.com slash Force Center. And uh, we appreciate your support uh, over there. Choose a tier that best uh, fits your desires of support. Uh, we also got our own things going on, even though, as Joseph has mentioned a few times, yeah, the industry, it's a, it's a weird time to try to be doing stuff professionally in this industry where you can't be in the same room. But we're trying nonetheless. And we got things going on. Joseph, where can they find you?
4: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can go to my website uh, at Joseph Scrimshaw for links to comedy albums and my other podcast, uh, Obsessed. Uh, this last week, my wife and I did an episode about masks, and I have to say, I did a great job containing myself by only talking about Star Wars a little bit, but yes. Ken, we might need to do a masks uh, in Star Wars Episode. Uh, it was a real fun conversation, not only with, with uh, all of the discussion of masks now, but like it's such a rich cultural pop uh, pop culture genre conversation about what do masks mean to us. So I had a lot of fun with that. Um, we're also trying to be aware of the real world and plug some ways that you can help. Uh, this week, I would like to plug the GoFundMe for the Navajo Nation and Hopi Reservation. Uh, these are communities that are being affected very badly by the virus in this GoFundMe is to help uh, the vulnerable communities within that community so you can find it by going to GoFundMe and or just googling GoFundMe Navajo Nation and it will pop right up.
3: That is great stuff and you can follow me at KedNapsok or or Morning Drive Media, M Drive Media, and go to KenNapsack.com. And there I have a charity spotlight tab, and I want to highlight the one today from actually recommended uh, from a Patreon supporter, but also a great Force Center listener. All four Center listeners are great, but Kai's been around for a long time. Kai Thatch actually recommended this one to me. It's listed on the page. It's the Peace Fund. It is a uh, They have a threefold mission uh, to protect, educate, and aid children. There are in extraordinary difficult circumstances from bringing clean water to villages to donations of, tablets students in los angeles uh there's a lot going on you can check it out at the and thanks to kai thatch for bringing it to our attention so, uh, check it out if you want. Eck okay, to link to all the appropriate pages. Um, that is it for this week. Well, this day, we got the main show uh, part two, so to speak, on Thursday. The Superstar Destroyer has a second level, and it is like an RV. Uh, you can go <laughs> take a up top. Now, uh, we got a great episode. Uh, just really excited to get to it. It is Queen's peril. E.K. Johnston's new uh, Padme centric and handmaiden Maiden centric novel. And we're going to dive in like we do here on Four Center this coming Thursday. So uh, that is it for now. We'll see you next time. Now I can say goodbye. This was Four Center.